Testing one, two, check, check. Sweet. And it is March something. What's been on your mind? You know, the 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 source of life we, we walk around with, I don't know, what is it, eighty five percent, eighty seven percent of think us is I I'm not sure on the percentage. I wanted to say three quarters, but it might be more than that. Okay. We have a lot of water. And water it's interesting when I watch my basement starting to flood <laughs> you you see you hear the word uh, hydraulic pressure, and uh, and actually on the National Weather uh, website uh, there is a hydraulic outlook. So there's there's measurements of the hydraulic pressure, and I don't know if that refers to the the hydraulic pressure within ground hmm. um, from saturation points. Yeah. But I see it, you know, in my old limestone basement when water starts shooting through cracks and in bubbling up and filling in. So it, it really can destroy anything, you know, water. It can. And it just weather anyways, you know, we, we, we like to think that we're, we're pretty, we, we've got a lot of permanent structure in, in buildings, but horrible things happen with weather, and that's just something beyond our control. So... Where we want to go with this? If we want to switch gears completely, oh, that's I don't fine. know. No, I, I, I mean, I, th- I mean, my my brain as you talk about that has been meditating on <clears throat> on uh, the the potential that is being released by the weather right now with with all of the snow that has been accumulated, and it it makes me think about. Um, um, kind of this uh, flood of things that maybe have been neglected or, you know, like, and and how this is going to come every year. So there's these cycles. We let things, you know, I was listening to, to a Jordan Peterson or the 12 Rules of Life. I usually have listened to that while I've been outside working. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he talked about the things that we don't pay attention to coming back to, to get us. And, and then that goes into what we know, or Joseph Campbell's myth of the dragon. And that's not Joseph Campbell's, but he elaborated more on that and the hero's journey to slay the dragon. And so Jordan Peterson talks about this children's book where a little boy talks to his mother and says, there's a, monster under my bed and the mom says no that there's there's no monster under your bed and the and the boy knows that there is one but just goes along with what his mom's saying and then eventually this monster turns into this big dragon that uh, takes over the whole house and the mom says well why didn't we take care of this and or you know like what does the dragon thing want and the boy 
hypothesizes, I think it just wants attention. And so they start giving it attention and it, it becomes more manageable. What th the snowbanks hold symbolically is maybe things that we've stored, forgotten, whatever. And life has a way of melting those things and saying, ah, now handle it in this form, right? And I think I'm thinking about that right now, maybe some things I've neglected or, you know, haven't paid attention to very much that need some attention, um, professionally and personally. Uh, and I, it's not a question of whether I will weather the storm. It's a question of like, can I, can I roll with it? Can I, can I go with that? Um, and so the segue then goes into some of the reading that I've been doing by Sebastian Younger. I think I'm saying that right. I think the J is silent on tribal tribe, his book tribe, where he basically talks about how humanity celebrates um, crises of weather and even war because it brings out the most fundamental human nature in us and makes us makes us better humans to each other, really, and why people long for war and why longing for war from a soldier's perspective isn't necessarily a bad thing. Explain longing for war. How do you mean they long for so war? So after the, the chapter, I just finished that. The chapter was called War Makes an Animal of Us. And it talks about um, the Blitzkrieg in London. It talks about um, the conflict in Bosnia and Sarajevo between the Serbs and what and it and <clears throat> it tells all these stories of people living in bunkers and how basically they didn't even need police. There was just a there were just rules that everybody lived by. And courtyards and apartments in in Sarajevo, Bosnia became vegetable uh, gardens because they had to because food was it was difficult for food to come in and out and teenagers hung out in basements of these buildings and it was basically just like a, a party all the time except for when the teenage boys would go off for a week at a time and fight on the front lines in the resistance and this one girl in particular who became a journalist as a result of her experience and documenting this stuff was had, had been injured in a bombing, got flown away to Italy to recover and endure the, like, to stay there for the rest of the conflict. And she wanted to come back. She felt lonely. She felt excluded and like she was missing out on real life that was happening in Sarajevo. And so from the soldier's perspective, too, they experience this really close brotherhood. They experience um, obstacles that they have to fix, you know, like a, surmount all the time. And then they come back to 
civilian life and those obstacles don't exist and those tight-knit bonds are just not there. And, yeah, so um, I think if I put all this together where my brain's at right now, we've got the big melting right now, which may bring some trouble in in smaller forms as in water in the basement and potentially larger ones too i know we've i don't know i i've seen some pretty crazy floods in eastern iowa oh and i think we're on track for that yeah i think when you look at the potential for river communities to flood with this weather it's very possible and you're right that does bring out everybody without question um, there's been many occasions that I've been sandbagging down at my, my, my children's elementary school. Uh, it, it just happens. It's a low-lying area. The school's, you know, is within that low-lying area. And as soon as river gets to a certain point, it's, it, it's just, all right, we're sandbagging, and it's, it's going on right now. And there's a lot of organization um, but it's not organization from professional sandbagging organizations. It's from community members that are stepping up and, and figuring out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I mean, it's, it is crisis that creates that community uh, bond. Um, and when we don't have that crisis situation, we do just kind of float around. And, and I don't want to necessarily entitle it or title it leisure we don't flow, you know, float around in a leisure world, but we don't have anything that's really working against us. Right. Um, and when I, when I say that we try to control nature, we try to bend nature to, to our will, and, and we always fail at that, um, I don't think it's necessarily a, a war against nature or anything. No. Um, because we won't win that. Right, we will. We won't. Um, but this war that you speak of, or the the war of of man to, or, or humans to participate, um, I'm thinking more specifically of the uh, Bosnia Sarajevo. Um, you know, when people go to war, they're they're it's a survival. So my question is, how much of that, that community buy-in, that bonding, is also um, on, on the part of different chem- chemicals in our brain being activated? There's, there's got to be some sort of a, an adrenaline mm-hmm. feature, uh, something that's occurring, um, that fight-or-flight survival. And, yeah. and knowing that others are, are with you increases that bond. Um, I don't know. I just I think that's that's an interesting take on it because at some point, and here we are in our seventeenth podcast, and we sit and we talk and we, um, you know, we we speculate, we philosophize. At what point is someone in the trenches of a a, a situation like that saying, "Hey, what are we doing? It, it's it. What are we fighting? What what is going on?" You know, and, and why are we doing this? Because it's, you know, when you think of war, it's war against man against man. It's, it's a human, and of, of course it's, you know, we're, we're fighting to stay free or we're fighting, um, you know, to avoid slavery or, you know, bondage, whatever it is. 
but when it comes down to it, it's, it's, you know, what are we fighting for in a war situation? And maybe that's taken this, this idea where you are with tribe a little bit into a, more of a existential viewpoint of, of what man's dark side is or their purpose. But, you know, why, why is it that well, a war situation brings this out? And why is it that we're, we're involved in a situation like that? War, war is um, started to change the status quo. You know, like mm-hmm. whether it's a tilt in power, uh, econ- which is usually what it, what it is, you know, whether that's through an economic system or, or just a straight-up dictatorship, you know, which is like, you know, that happens too, fascism, what, whatever. Uh, so the aggressor is usually in favor of changing and the uh, defender is usually trying to preserve some form of life that they felt worked, you know? And um, though Sebastian Younger is only a journalist, he, he's seen some stuff and has suffered from post-traumatic... I mean, he's he's been in air raids and he's been right on the ground with soldiers for a good... at least in the 90s. And... Uh, His experience, like he talks about um, being young during the Vietnam War and getting his draft card or selective service card or whatever. And uh, he talked to his dad about not, you know, not participating in that. And his dad, who hadn't, who I think might have been a German immigrant, said, um, it's, it's good to preserve what we have here, the, the principles of a free state where people can live as they desire. And so it is noble to want to preserve that, but it is also noble to um, reject what you view as an unjust war. And I would, I think in a very pragmatic sense, that works for me. You know, that, that works. There are, there are values worth preserving, um, that transcend, uh, political, um, you know, our two party system, um, in, in the United States. And I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think his hypothesis that we, that we need more collective struggle. I am not advocating that we jump into a war, but there is, um, when he talked about the, the, the reality of people walking outside and having to hustle from one place to the other, some people in business suits still trying to carry on their day in Sarajevo while snipers sat in the mountains and, just kind of picked people off and that they would have to deal with that and like dead people would be in the streets as horrible as that situation is and you talked about the chemistry in the brain my my hypothesis is that and this goes back to like stoic philosophy too that like being aware that 
of the of the that the ant finite and how quickly life can go by and then having that around you all the time creates a value for the life that you're living uh, potentially I, I don't know I haven't lived through that but that's my theory is that maybe that's part of that is that seeing morta- that mortality and understanding that creates a, an urgency to live I don't know do you think uh, here in America that within the last um, you know I, I would say and I don't know if this is just more of a, a viewpoint of of myself, you know, getting older and, and being a little bit more aware of, of kind of the political happenings, but there seems to be a lot more of the tribal mentality to, to band together and, and create movements. Um, and, um, and, it's, and it's movements against a system or against a, a set of ideas. Um, you know, I'm in particular, I'm thinking of the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, do you think this is happening and, and it ties in with what you're saying as far as banding together because you've found a certain value and you, it's worth fighting for? And it's, it's, and I'm not talking that these are movements that are violent or that they are, you know, there is death and destruction involved, but we just don't have a, a war society within America. I mean, we, we have soldiers that are, are out on the front lines in other countries, but we don't have that here. We do have people uh, in poverty and in, in, in neighborhoods that are in a war society. Sure. Really, when we think about some of the, the neighborhoods of Chicago areas or some of the larger cities that... You know, murder takes place on almost a daily or bi-daily basis. That is a survival uh, mode, and it's something that is very far removed from our rural Iowa setting. But do you think some of these movements are taking place because uh, it it does kind of fit and, and kind of, I would say, maybe nurture that, that need to collectively... Um, join, collectively fight, collectively try to change something? Is that happening, I guess, is my questioning. You're reading a book about tribe, about, about well, I'm sure it's about more than just war and, and, and banding together for natural disasters or man-made you know, wars, but this idea of, of tribe, of being connected, we're missing out on that here. Yeah. And we're missing out on it. Why? Why is well, that happening in, in our society? The and why one, are we seeing little pockets of it starting to emerge? So the one point that Sebastian Younger makes, or the one um, you know uh, picture that he paints, is our wars are fought elsewhere now, right? While the Native American wars, people were right in it. You know, um, and they would come back to camp after a battle, and you would see that Im- immediately. And and so the people of the community were involved in the effort uh, collectively. Where now, our soldiers c- 
come back months, years after things that they've seen and then just kind of try to reassimilate to this peaceful, soft society that we have now. And that's part of the struggle is that no one here has a lot of empathy for what they've been through because we can't know. I can't know uh, what that's like. So that problem exists. I think the emergence of movements is probably just, a, in, in my estimation, the, the next thing, right? Uh, we tr- I, I, I do feel confident that in our country there's a pulse of humanity that's trying to get things right, that's trying to treat people well, um, maybe a little more egalitarian, or like it feels like those voices pop up and, and we start valuing the individual and their self and that worth. Um, and, and that's valuable uh, as, a, as, a, as these causes uh, arise and people are given voice to problems that have been long masked. I think with some of the lifestyle changes that I'm experimenting or, or in with right now with uh, not total abstinence from social media, but very um, cautious, guarded use of social media is that uh, I, I think I've become aware more of the noise effect. And I think the sphere we find ourselves in right now is, and maybe the last five to 10 years is we just yell at each other. It's just noise. And I think some things have happened and some people have had to listen and be accountable for, you know, the Me Too movement and and some of of those different things that have happened. But I don't think people's minds are changing, and I think that's because we don't have a culture of listening. We have a culture of talking, of saying things, and not participating in a conversation. That's interesting you know, tie in with, with social media too, the noise factor. You, you've removed Twitter from your life for the most part. Is it on your computer or you have, I can log into it on my computer. I haven't been on it for weeks. And to me, Twitter was nothing but noise. It was sounding off. I'm, I'm going to type a statement and it's going out there and it's noise for your, for your eyes. Um, our students are growing up in a noise uh, generation of YouTube and the YouTubers, the, the many, many channels that exist of, of people just being in front of a, a camera and, uh, and, and talking. There's some crazy things out there, ridiculous things out there, but it's part of the noise. In fact, we're actually contributing to the noise right now we've yeah. we've joined the technological podcasts and the the saturation of the podcast um genre there is there is a lot of noise but maybe it's because is it because of voice is it because of um and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna defend a youtuber who you know, says ridiculous things or does ridiculous things just for, you know, just to get their, their um, subscription yeah. uh, uploaded so they can start making lots of money. I think that's a major uh, component of all the noise. 
Um, and I don't know uh, in, in Twitter. I'm, I'm guessing in Twitter there's just as much of a, a desire to to have their their statement retweeted and retweeted, mm-hmm. and, and you know there's a, there's almost like a a bragging rights to everything. Um, I don't, you know, and I, I just think with all this noise, it is hard for people to kind of settle their brains and, and, and really pay attention to what needs to be paid attention to, you know, find their own sense of, of voice and what they believe in and what they find as valuable. I'm going to turn off my noise machine over here. <laughs> Uh, it happens just like that, just like my phone. It's just it's it's something that's very distracting. Yeah, mother culture is uh, she nags. Oh, constantly. Yeah, and and we've we've made it through quite a quite a bit of time here without being interrupted. But it's soon to happen. I would say within the next. The flood is coming. It is. It is. So back to the flood. I, I really appreciate the the analogy you gave of all this snow that is slowly to melt and and release some things that maybe have been buried. Um, one of the other things that has been on my mind quite a bit is this idea of um, as above, so below. Mm. Um, and I think we talked about this um, last week, but I, I really do think there's so many things that are are, are kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily in balance, but what may be going on in a, on a macro scale, um, such as a larger scale in our, na- in our natural world, uh, can easily be applied to what is going on in the micro scale of, of things that are going on within a person. Um, but it's, it is a matter of, of paying attention. It is a matter, matter of shutting off all that noise and distraction um, and trying to figure it out, what's going on. So if these forms are starting to reveal themselves, what do they mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, well, I, think you, I, I think you hit it. Yeah, I mean, sure I, that. That I, was... I've felt saturated uh, for some time, and I feel like some of the progress that I've made personally is, be, is working on creating space. I'm creating space for a, I'm nesting uh, in a psychological, emotional sense too, to create space for a big addition to my life. And in clearing the, the psychological path for myself, I've had to go back to understanding and, and thinking about what is valuable to me. You, you mentioned that a couple minutes ago about it's like we, ha- we have to think about what's valuable to us. And I think uh, of my meditating and ruminations over the past two months, I-, I keep coming back to that concept of getting a grip on what's valuable to yourself uh, to guide the way for everything else. And that's a really trying process to be really honest with yourself about what you value um that's not okay so um another (laughs) book that i'm like maybe a fourth of the way through is called the values factor which mixed in with all of these like really philosophical things really practical approach to like 
you know, I think it was written in the 80s or something, like, just figure it out, man. Like, make a list and, you know, like that type of sure. stuff. But there's a there's something to it. And, and there are some modules to think through to establish. And one of the big things that this author says to stay away from is don't talk about what other people value. You know, if you're like, oh, I need to save money. Well, where does, where does that value come from? For, and that's not to say that saving money is bad. It's saying, like, is that your value or is that your dad's value that you're just trying to make sure you hold upright because you think that that's what being a good person is? And you don't really own that value at that time. It's not to say that you couldn't. It's just you, it's an inauthentic way of looking at things. Um, so yeah, so I think like setting, setting our values is, is, is of utmost importance in where we're at right now. And and you can make informed decisions after that about where you want to go. And of course there will be adjusting that I think values evolve through life too. And both, um, Cal Newport, uh, digital minimalism um, Jordan Peterson, that there's this call to, you know, every month, year, whatever, but at intervals, to ask yourself, what do I value right now? And write those things down. And that's where I'm at right now. I feel like I'm just beginning adulthood. <laughs> just beginning. Yeah. Right. Well, listeners, I, I would say that's a pretty good uh, assignment right there from <laughs> Mr. Finn. <laughs> Um, write down a list, you know, and I'm just thinking, you know, I mean, you're, you're preparing for that new addition to your family, the growth of your family. That is, you know, without question, my, my top value right yeah. there, uh, is my family. Um, and then, but you know, once, uh, once I have that written, what are some other things that are important to me? And I think that's, that's interesting that you say, you know, something to revisit, not in stone. It's not like once you write that value down, it's permanent. Right. It's things can evolve. Um, but, you know, what is important to us? And what are we doing on a daily basis that is working towards that, those values? We do need reminding of that often. Um, and I always try to look at this, you know, our, our discussions and especially our on on-air podcast discussions through our students' vantage point. Um, you know, when I was a teenager, was I thinking about values? Was I thinking about what was important? No, I was not. No, nowhere near. And it took, and it has still taken many, many, many years to start to glimpse little fragments of, of wisdom. Um, but there's many more years to be had and, and many more little glimpses to accumulate. So I'd say this is a good wrap-up point here because yeah, I hear a I lot so of too. Yeah, there's lockers traffic and, and yeah. other things going on out there. So uh, what should we title this one? Whew. It's got to be something with values and tribes and not floods and... <laughs> Oh my, <laughs> values and tribes and floods, oh my. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so until next time, Underground Teachers Lounge. Later. See ya.